yeah. You can be seated. The worship team can exit. And I can tell you what I'm going to preach about today, if you don't mind. Uh, by the way, those, sometimes we have uh, people go, what do you mean he made me believe? Um, it says in, uh, in uh, Matthew 16, when, when, when Simon Peter recognizes Je Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Jesus says, blessed art thou, for such has been revealed to you, not by man, but by God himself. And so the only way we can recognize who God is, is him enabling us to do that. And that's what those, those lyrics mean. Now, last week we started a whole new series, and I want to preach several months on this. And the series was this. The basic resur resurrection means for us the presence of Christ in our everyday life, whether we recognize him or not. Now, a better way to live would be to recognize him, wouldn't it? And so for the, for the next several months, we're going to be spending time in ways that we recognize Christ, ways to look for Christ in our everyday lives. This morning, we want to talk about our methods of instruction. It would even be better termed, instead of searching for daily instruction, uh, searching for the instructor daily. Because, you see... We have a self-imposed limitation on our knowledge. We think in terms of knowledge much more in terms of content than in closeness. Much more in terms of information than in terms of intimacy. Now, whenever there's a self-imposed limitation, there's frustration. When we were talking about this in the uh, um, um, worship team, Somebody remembered the, the movie Yentl. I don't know how many of you have seen that movie, but there's a, there's a scene with Barbara Streisand where she's, a, you know, a, a young Jewish girl wasn't supposed to learn the law back at that time. There was a man-made limitation. And this Yentl's so curious and so frustrated because she can't learn. And so I want you to hear not only the depth of the frustration, but the depth of the questions. Because you see, we two are limited or are limiting ourselves in our view of knowledge. We are on our way to erasing, hopefully, the gender limitations, but there's even a more basic and pernicious limitation that we have when it comes to our approach to learning. And that is we have practically erased the two most important questions when it comes to learning. We've confined ourselves in our present system to the what and the how. But very few people ask anymore why and who. That is so important. Because as I said before, as God created the eye that sees and the ear that hears, He created them so that we could perceive not just His world, but Him. You see, Jesus links knowledge to relationship. If you, will, if you have your scriptures with you and, you and you want to turn to the second chapter of Luke, let me tell you a very um, um, important passage but it's a familiar passage also about Jesus as a boy. Now, we don't have much information about him, so this is very important that the gospel writer 
would include this. It says in verse 40, And the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and in the grace of God, and the grace of God was upon him. And then there is an event that most of you know very well. It's the, the, it's the, it's the event of, uh, we, we presume, Jesus' bar mitzvah, where at age 12, he comes to Jerusalem for the feast. And, and then this parents, upon leaving, figure that the other one has him. Because that day, the men and the women tra traveled separately. The women would go on before so that they could set up the camp, and the men would kind of lag behind so that they could talk about stuff. And, and uh, when you were a child, you went with the women. But when you became a man, you went with the men. And so Mary thought that Jesus was with Joseph, and Joseph thought that Jesus was with Mary. And when they got to the camp, they turned around, they discovered he wasn't there. And so the Bible picks it up at this point. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And it came about that after three days, they found him in the temple. You can imagine how frantic they were three days later. They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. I want you to see that Jesus is a student. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And Jesus said to them, listen to this, Why is it that you were looking for me? Like, where would you look for me except for here? Listen to what he says. Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? And as some of your, some of your uh, uh, Bibles say, uh, about my father's business. The, the Greek literally says, in the affairs of my father. Now I want you to see here something very important. How he links intellectual growth to a personal relationship with God. You see, it's not just content. It's not just about how much you know. It's about how close you are. Did you not know at this point that I would be getting close to God by my intellectual pursuits? That's what he's saying. He was not the only, this was not the only time that he said that. As a matter of fact, later on in his ministry, he said that how we learn and how much we learn often has to do with the status of our relationship, not just with our intelligence or how smart we are. As a matter of fact, it says in John 15, 15, this. He says, no longer, he's talking to his disciples here. And he says, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. I want you to see the differentiation in this relationship by how much information the person has. He says, if you just do what God says to do, then you're obedient and that's good, but you're at the status of a slave. You're just doing what the master says. Jesus upgrades them. On what basis? Well, it says right here, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. In other words, you know enough now to have a more intimate relationship with me. You have recognized the movement of God enough now 
to not just link information with facts, but to link information with family, with friends. And so it's up to us to understand that the information we get in this society is not just about little factoids that are separated from one another. The learning that takes place every day of our lives is not just about learning details. It's about coming closer to people. Now, many of you judge your closeness to people by how much you know about them. As a matter of fact, you want to know about them before you get close to them. This, is, this doesn't come as a surprise to you. I have an example of that right here. We, uh, we, our family is a little weird in that we always uh, kind of raise our kids together. Becky's uh, uh, brothers and, and her, um, we've kind of had this uniform policy on our kids dating. Kids, and, and it, was, it was her brothers and hers before uh, it was theirs. And, and you don't go out on a single date until you're age 16. Well, Becky's uh, middle brother, just uh, her, his lovely daughter, we had three boys, and, and they didn't go out on single dates until they were 16. They knew the policy. Uh, they could go out on church group dates, but not single dates. And so, and so, uh, so he now has a six, beautiful 16-year-old daughter. And so he sent this to her in, uh, in an email yesterday. Uh, Hi, guys. He also sent it to his other brother. Yeah, it's a family deal. Hi, guys. In light of Amber's recent interest in boys, I've been working on some means of screening potential candidates for dates. <laughs> As she might actually begin to date sometime in the future, maybe. This is a working document. Any insights, additions, or helpful, helpful, helpful for suggestions uh, in improving this application form will be deeply appreciated. <laughs> and it, it literally has at the top, application for permission to date my daughter. <laughs> Note, this application will be considered incomplete and rejected unless accompanied by a complete income statement, job history, lineage, and current medical report from your doctor. <laughs> and then it gives the user stuff, you know, name, date of birth, weight, IQ, GPA, uh, Boy Scout rank, it says here. <laughs> Church you attend, how often do you attend? Do you have one male and one female parent? If not, explain. <laughs> Best time to interview your father. Best time to interview your mother. Best time to interview your minister. Now we get down to the very uh, practical things. Do you own a van? <laughs> Do you own a truck with oversized tires? Do you own a waterbed? Do you have an earring, nose ring, or belly button ring? Do you have a tattoo? If yes to any of the last five questions, discontinue application and leave. In 25 words or less, what does this mean to you? Don't touch my daughter. <laughs> In 25 words or less, what does late mean to you? Write uh, an essay on abstinence. Um, let me see. Here's a, it's a, Answer the following by completing each sentence, and I'll just give you a few of these. Um, the one thing I hope this application does not ask me about is, a woman's place is in... When I meet a girl, the thing I first notice about her is, 
What do you want to be if you grow up? I swear that all the information supplied above is true and correct to the best of my knowledge under penalty of death, dismemberment, <laughs> electrocution, Chinese water torture, and red-hot pokers. <laughs> Signed, uh, you know, thank you for your interest. Please allow four to eight weeks for processing. Don't call us. We'll call you. Well, the point is that information does count when it comes to closeness, doesn't it? And that's, and that's what God wants to teach us about the world, that, that information is not just about gathering facts. It's about getting closer to Him. It's not just about seeing how things operate. It's about seeing who operates things and why he does so. Did you hear the the, the repeated question of that song? Why? Why? Keep asking that question. Always ask that question. That will lead you ultimately to God. Now, God wants to make better students of us than we have been. He wants us to recognize that he is in every event, every day, instructing us about his presence and his purposes. He wants... Well, if you have your scriptures with you, turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Now, this is a verse that many of us have memorized. And it's about being a student. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The beginning of wisdom is fear the Lord. The beginning of wisdom starts with the Lord. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That is to say, watch this, God has given us each a certain ability to comprehend the world, a certain intellectual competency. Now, all of us have different ways that we understand the world. Everybody's wired differently. Howard Gardner has written a, a book on um, uh, the seven or multiple intelligences. He says there, there's basically seven ways that we comprehend the world. Some people comprehend it mainly from a, a language standpoint, some from a logic, uh, mathematics standpoint, some from a spatial standpoint, some from a musical standpoint, uh, uh, some from a, uh, 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 an interpersonal standpoint. There was, that was all the flap a few years ago on, on, uh, or a, a year or two ago on uh, EQ, the emotional quotient that you have. Some from an intrapersonal, a, a depth understanding of yourself or discernment about the things in yourself standpoint. He said there are, there are many ways to comprehend. And God puts us together so that we can complement one another's understanding. So that we don't have just to lean on our own understanding. Friday, Becky and I uh, went to the beach, took a day off. That's our Friday's usually our Sabbath, and we we went to the beach. We love to walk the beach, and 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 so when we walk the beach, uh, Becky always says, "Well, Hunter, what do you think?" And and I just spin. I just just start telling her about the future. What the future is going to be? Oh, we're going to do this with this. This. So God has this for the church. God, this is the, this is the, and just just spin out great dreams. And just that goes on for a mile or two. 
And, and then she'll say, well, now, uh, now don't get mad. <laughs> she always said, now don't get frustrated. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to quench the spirit here, but I want you to know if you're going to accomplish that, here's what you need to do. And then she'll, she'll outline the steps. You know, that you need, because she's very logical, very mechanical. And she'll say, this is what you, these are the practical things of that, honey. Now, I want you to do this. It is all great. I know it's from God. I know it is. But you got to do this. got to pay attention to this. got to see this person. got to write this memo. got to write a doc. got to do this. This is what you got to do. By the third thing, I'm going, oh, man. I just wanted to dream a little here, you know. But that's how I think. I just think, big. Now, and then afterwards, to the end of the, end of the day, we, we had the movie time. And so went back past Blockbuster, and I got a movie, um, Jane Austen's Persuasion. It's a, it's a novel that was written in uh, uh, 1808. And, you know, they're doing a lot of great stuff uh, with uh, uh, Pride and Prejudice and a lot of the Bronte sisters and the, and the, and the old uh, uh, English romance movies. I love those. They're so subtle. They're so romantic and so poetic and 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 so we're watching this well becky doesn't have this this abstract thing she's very concrete so i'm i'm explaining to her all of the all of the subtleties and all of the craft and all the 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 foreshadowing and all of the allegory and and we put it on pause to go get her diet coke and she goes why is it that I, I can't understand anything but the cat went into the barn, you know? And I'm saying, it's just different wiring. You've got you, you to understand, Jane Austen uses a lot of, of license and, 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 and poetry and, 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 uh, and, and subtleties. And, and Becky says, now, now which one was she? I said, no, that's the author. She says, I hate this. <laughs> Here's what we were doing. We were blending our understandings of the day. But please don't misunderstand that God put us together so that we could know more. Because the day was not about helping each other understand more. The day was really about becoming closer as a couple. It was not about information mainly, although the information was helpful. It was about intimacy. It was about intimacy. And so when God asks us to learn, that's what it's about. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. That's the line. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In every circumstance of life, here would be a great thing to say out loud. God, I know you're in here. I may not be able to see you yet, but I acknowledge the fact that you're in here and I'm not going to rest until I figure out where and why that's what God wants us to learn that's how God wants us to be able to come to him in everyday circumstances and so it's very important to understand that God has given us this world so that we can come to him in in probably if not one step, at least two steps. First of all, we need to recognize that we tend to spend our lives dealing with mechanics, and God doesn't want us to stop there. This Howard Gardner, who wrote uh, these, about these multiple intelligences, uh, also wrote a book called The Unschooled Mind. This guy's a, a, a Harvard uh, education professor at Harvard. And uh, he was talking to his son, who was taking a college physics course, 
Um, and his son simply said, Dad, I just don't get it. And, and the dad was trying to be supportive. He said, well, son, you've had several years of high school physics, and now you've got college physics. And I know college physics is harder, but just go to the teacher and, and ask her what's, what the deal is, and she'll teach you. And he, he said over the phone, Dad, no, you don't understand. I have never understood physics. And what he was saying was this. For years, I just learned where to plug in the right formulas. For years, I just, I just learned how to put the right, arrange the right figures in the right symbols and the, on the right places on the page, but I didn't understand what I was doing. How many of you feel like you're living life like that? You, you know where to plug in the right thing at the right time so that life can go on, so that life doesn't flop. But in the bigger picture, you don't know where you fit. And you don't know where all of it fits. You see, God wants us to come up to that, self, that, that next realm of understanding, that second realm where we understand the big picture and we actually begin to operate not out of the details, but from the big picture. Let me, let me tell you something new that's happening right now. This is in this, this month's Scientific American. There is an uh, interesting article uh, uh, in there about how they're making medicines these days. It's called com combinatorial chemistry. Now, the old way of making medicines was, was creating a compound, looking for uh, some part of that compound that had some uh, helpful tendency, and then to manipulate and, and, and mutate uh, that helpful tendency until maybe you could come up someday with something that might be helpful uh, and you nurture that along until years and years later and probably hundred million dollars later uh, you've you've played with enough combinations of that thing that you actually have a bottle of medicine on your local in your local pharmacy now what the what the uh, chemists are doing in these huge chemical Eli Lilly and company are they, they're studying the immune system of the human body. You know, in your immune system, there are certain uh, proteins that are antibodies. And there can be as many as a trillion different antibodies that their job is to attack, of course, a, 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 a foreign uh, organism or pathogen as it comes into your body. Now, the body doesn't make up a unique antibody for every different pathogen that comes in. But what it does is it takes a look, it screens that foreign invader, takes a look at the repertoire of what's available, picks out the most likely um, um, combative uh, combination and sends it to attach itself to that antibody. What the chemists are doing now is they're saying, wait a minute, why are we starting down here with all these little disconnected details, why don't we take a look at what we already know is helpful and make variations of that like the body does? And what they've literally done is been, they've been able to cut out years of research and hundreds of millions of dollars in that process of going from the laboratory to the medicine bottle on the shelf. What did they do? Big picture, what did they do? They looked at what God made and they said, hmm, this might work better than our little detail stuff. That's what they did. What should all of us do 
to live life. We ought to look at what God made. We ought to look at what's successful. And we ought to make variations in our life from this rather than trying to figure out the details and how to bring them up here. God is our teacher, and he's our teacher every day. And therefore, we need to do one of two things. We need to do two of two things. First of all, we need to go to God to, do, to learn directly about how to interpret and how to address the details of life to let what he has done been our be our instructor. And then we need to use that to also recognize his presence in our everyday life. Because our lives are not just about how to live better. It's who to love better. Who to love better. We need to understand that God himself is in every situation. We may feel isolated. We may feel insignificant. We may feel detached, but we never are, ever. That is what the resurrection means. Let me tell you one story now, quick. I love this story. I only get to tell it every once in a while, but I love it. It's about a little boy fishing on the banks of the Mississippi River. And he's, he's down there, and he's got an old cane pole, a little bucket of worms there, and he's doing this thing. He's got a little bobber on the thing there. About 50 yards, this is a huge, this is a very wide part of the Mississippi River where, where boats go up and down, big boats go up and down. So about 50 yards up there's this, there's this older guy, more experienced, more experienced guy. He's got, the, he got the hat with the hooks in it, you know, and the little fly things in the, you got the rod that, you know, just does it. Well, actually, they're silent, you know, and he, and he, but he's, got, he's a very ex experienced fisherman. Well, they're standing there, and then, and around the bend comes this huge, beautiful paddle boat. You ever seen one of those? I mean, just gorgeous, huge thing. And the little boy throws down his cane pole and just starts jumping and shouting and yelling and waving his arms. And the guy looks at him and says, Boy, shut up. You're really irritating me. You know? Well, the kid didn't even pause. Kept jumping and shouting and waving his arms. Now the guy's getting irritated because not only does he have to listen to the boy, but the boy's probably scaring the fish. And he says, son, you really need to cut this out. Those people don't know who you are. They don't care who you are. You're scaring the fish. Cut it out. Kid just went on, jumping and shouting. And he's just about to go down, you know, and throw the kid in the river, you know, when he looks out and here, this huge paddle boat has turned in toward the shore. And slowly, he watches this thing come in and lower a gangplank right at the feet of this boy. The boy picked up his cane pole, picked up his bucket, looked at that old guy and said, uh, I forgot to tell you something. The captain of this ship is my father. <laughs> the captain of this ship is your father. It may feel like you're insignificant. It may feel like no one's paying any attention. But I want you to know that he hears you. He's there. Pray with me. God, thank you that our learning can be not confined and limited to facts, but that it needs to be expanded to you. 
Thank you that it's not about learning just, but about love. Thank you that you are here every day in every circumstance. And as it says in, in 1 Corinthians 2, Lord, we just pray that as you make Christ resident in our mind, that we take on the mind of Christ and we can spiritually discern where you are in every circumstance. Help us, Lord, to use all of our learning to come closer to you, to understand you better, and to give you the glory that you deserve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.